Hi, welcome to the Holy Arrows podcast. I'm your host, Phoenix Amara, author of Ascension of Gaia, founder of the Temple Arts Alchemy Mystery School, Muse and Mother. We're here to delve deep into the power of Holy Arrows and all things devotion, intimacy, sacred sexuality, and love where the transformational medicine of our soul, sex, and art intersects and transforms ourselves and the world. Enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome to Holy Eros Podcast. I'm your host, Phoenix Amara. And on today's show, we have a very, very special guest. And I'm here to introduce today's guest, Sonia Semyonova on Holy Arrows today with us. But for those of you who are new to Sonia, Sonia Semenyova is a writer and self-intimacy guide whose life and work centers around honoring the body as the temple of the divine. With her diverse training as an intuitive witch, somatic sex educator, yoga teacher, and Ayurvedic practitioner, she invites her readers and clients to befriend the raw parts of themselves as they turn the stories of their greatest pain into their personal legends. You can find her writing and courses at yourbodystory.com or at Body Storyteller on Instagram and TikTok. So welcome, Sonia. Hello. Hello, <laughs> Phoenix. It's so good to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you on here today. We are going to have a spicy conversation. So for those of you who are maybe new to Sonia and uh, Mai's relationship, we came into each other's lives, I guess, around a year ago. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. But a year and change now. Yeah. Feels like it's been a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Sonia, you know, maybe you don't know this, but like, you know, you're my friend and uh, co-producer of Worshipper, but you're also my spirit guide, my spirit (laughs) And, you know, Sonia, she'll share some more. She lives quite an unconventional life. And she's, you're an interesting character, Sonia, because you have, you know, these different aspects that you traverse and share and express um, in different ways. And so I'm wondering if you can, you know, maybe, you know, elaborate a little bit more around, you know, our relationship, how you came to be who you are now. And maybe reveal some of those secrets, yeah, if you dare, with our audience. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. You know, it's I, first of all, I take the the word unconventional as an absolute compliment. <laughs> I I once had an astrologer tell me, based on a placement, I'm not going to get into my chart, but I had an astrologer tell me that it's basically impossible for me to conform. Mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> so it explains quite a bit about me. Um, so yeah, I, I, maybe I'll start with how I came to get here and then, um, talk about how you and I met and how worshiper came to me. So I, let's see, I mean, I have been interested in healing work for my whole life, my whole life. I mean, I was always drawn as a kid. I was that kid who was like studying ancient Egypt and, you know, doing the like witchcraft stuff. And then when I was about 20 years old, I was this very, very intellectual person. I was like going to grad school and going to get my PhD in sociology, right? And so 
I ended up um, trying to get to New York City. I ended up going the opposite direction mm. and ended up in Boulder, Colorado, which is this little hippie town in the at the base of the mountains, the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. <clears throat> and I was not in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dressed in all black and this in this place where everyone's wearing like keen sandals and life is good t-shirts. And <laughs> but I met my first spiritual teacher there. Mm. And she, I remember, sat me by the Boulder Creek, which is this really beautiful, it's a large creek, it's this beautiful little river, and gave me a healing. It was my first time getting a healing uh, from anybody. And she said to me, you know, you have this gift you have this ability to do this work as a healer if only you stop trying to direct the flow and you have to go with the flow. And of course we were by the water. So it kind of made sense. Um, so that was, you know, it led me on this whole journey. I detail a pretty long uh, mini autobiography on my about me page on my website, if anyone's interested in all of the great details, but I'll give the cliff notes here. But essentially moved to New York City after training with that teacher, Tamara Wells, um, for a number of years on developing my intuitive abilities. She was the first person who really taught me how to be a witch and what it means to be a witch, which is to be a free woman who happens to know about a few things about the elements and nature. Mm. So um, ended up coming back to Colorado and started working for a woman. I, I had gotten a, a developed a career as a ghostwriter at this point and started working for a woman who was a teacher of Ayurveda and yoga. And she was very, if you're familiar with the paths of yoga, like very aesthetic, like very right hand path. And so like there was no fun, <laughs> no fun. And I wrote for her for four years and um, ended up finally having this this break after you know having basically like the cleanest lifestyle imaginable, oh, um, you know, and it was no caffeine, no chocolate, you know, definitely no dancing or anything like that. And so, of course, me being the person who is unable to conform, I left and and broke free and started studying the power of the erotic, because that was just, it sort of just came to me. I started, I, I began to study with Mama Gina um, in the School of Womanly Arts, which is a pretty wild place to go after being in a basically, basically an ashram for four years and um, studied a little bit more with Kasha Urbaniak, who I still study with to this day. Uh, and really embracing the power of a woman's body and a woman's sexuality as a tool for healing. Mm. So I, I take all of this stuff in my background. Like I don't, I don't deny any of it. All of it still guides me and informs me. So, but I don't conform <laughs> to any of it really, you know? So I'm like, I have these unconventionalities. Like I'm a mother, you know, mm. I have a seven-year-old daughter and, you know, I, you know, still, I, I feel like there's, there's, there's such a boundary around being sexual as a mother, right? Like, right. so I like, once you're a mother, you're supposed to give that up. You're supposed to just become this like, you know, chaste woman, like the, the ideal mother. And I refuse that. Yeah. Yeah. And I refuse oh, that. Yeah. And sorry to interject in your yeah. story here, but like even, and we'll return to this maybe as we dig deeper, but the archetype of like the mother in religion is yes. of martyr, essentially. Yes. Yeah. That's such a, yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and there's beauty. Like I, I have a very strong connection to the Virgen de Guadalupe, the, the Virgin Mary, for lack of a better term, who is actually a goddess figure in Mexico. Different story, but um, recognizing that it's an archetype of, of compassion and love, but that's not all of who I am. Yeah. So many things, right? So there's there's all these different aspects. My my partner and I were polyamorous. We have you know, the freedom associated with a long, within the, the safety, relative safety of a long-term relationship. So yeah, it's, I'm a nonconformist to my very core. And so that's why when I met you, I was like, oh my God, you're my people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And yeah, we met and it was just sort of, we just kind of were like, we have to do something together. I don't know what it is, but we have to do Mm. something. And then this idea of, you know, my, my passion, um, you know, we were talking about my passion, your passions, and, and like this idea of taking ancient myths, which is something we're both passionate about, mm-hmm. and turning them into live performances with an erotic lens mm-hmm. and retelling these stories that have been used to oftentimes cage us and retelling them in a way that allows us to find greater freedom and connection to our bodies. Mm-hmm. I so have loved this journey with you, Sonia, in the birthing of this thing, which we will, I think, delve into here in this podcast. And before we do, though, I also want to, you know, add onto that is that this journey with you has been such a deep healing for me around collaboration and sisterhood Mm -hmm. uh, around these very unconventional and even edgy and evocative subject matters, right? Um, which it feels very apropos that we are doing this work together as women, you know, and, and giving other women the space and, and freedom to do so as well, to retell these stories that govern their lives that have been handed down through, you know, purity culture. And I'm wondering if you could maybe just speak to this a little bit more around your own personal interests and desires in doing that, because you know, we kind of both skate around the edges of new age culture, but mm-hmm. even in new age culture, I'm still seeing a lot of these purity ideals mm-hmm. uh, that are being regurgitated as like new age, you know, ascension, uh, light work teachings. And yet there's still just religious dogma um, mm-hmm. regurgitated. And I, I've been really trying to reconcile with this and there's a few pieces and I, maybe I'll share them with you and you can kind of like bite into whatever feels juicy, but like there's this one and it's like, um, Oh, oh, I know what it was. And this is, man, I got really infuriated by this. Um, you know, as a woman, you, uh, and this is being regurgitated by like some, you know, light work teachers or whatever, you know, as a woman, you need to be careful who you sleep with because you take in the DNA mm. of that man for the rest of your life. And then, you know, <laughs> and, and then it, you know, either fucks you up or it manifests bad shit or it doesn't. And it's like, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. what the fuck right and yeah. um and yet they're being espoused as like these new age teachings and i'm like there is no there's no science behind that actually i totally like looked into it just as like a, <laughs> you know and i'm like what the? and but these people are speaking like as if they're tantrics and i'm like really really so I, i'm wondering if you can just maybe speak to like this how, what we're doing here and and you know retelling these stories and why it's so important for us as women mm-hmm. to do that Oh God. Oh God. There's so much I want to say about this one. Yeah. So that one, I just want to say this, like in response to that belief that you should be careful who you sleep with, you're taking in your DNA. 
as if that doesn't, as if we are unable to transform anything we take in, as if we don't take yeah. in a person's DNA when we're breathing next to them. Yeah. I used to live in New York for Christ's sakes. You are like constantly touching someone and breathing their air. Mm. And if, if someone were to say that to me, like, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't ever live in community with people because then you're taking in their DNA. I mean, this is the, the essence of, of, of being human is being in relationship with yeah. each other. Yeah. And sometimes that means through sex. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's really important. I, I do agree with you. I see the purity culture coming through. I see it, you know, a lot of the, the new age stuff, it does come across as very simplistic, you know, like there's a place of, um, so I hear this a lot and this, this is, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify what I'm, I'm going to say, but like this idea of kind of being in your feminine or mm. being in your masculine, as if we are not flexible beings that have access to both. Yeah. Right. And so that feels to me very much like, you know, the, the teachings that people got for many, many, many centuries around what it means to be a good girl mm. or a good boy. Like, mm. so if I'm a, if I'm in my feminine, what does that mean? That means that I can never talk back to my partner who's a man. <laughs> Does it mean that I can never stand up for myself? Does it mean that I can never embody the kind of like holy rage that that like Durga, you know, had when she killed the demons, right? Like, so that's, there's, there's something much deeper going on here. And so I really believe that, that the stories that were told, you know, so we're taking in this upcoming worship prayer, I'm super excited to take on our first biblical story. Mm. And um, I love ruffling feathers. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, to take something like the story of Adam and Eve, which is the story that we're taking on one of the three that we're going to be featuring in this maze event, but to take on this story, because Eve has been probably the most demonized out of all the female figures, the feminine figures in history. And if we were to classify her as actually a goddess or a devotee of the goddess, who trusted the snake because the snake is a symbol of the goddess had was in prehistory for, for a long time before the Bible was written. And if we were to take that and just reclaim her and give her life again, the life that was taken from her, imagine how many women will hear that and say, oh my God, my, my labor pains, my, my menstrual cramps are not punishment for Eve eating the fucking apple, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and this is where it is really, wow, it, we're in interesting times because, you know, we have, as women, again, we're still uh, trying to sort through, you know, like these new age purity culture teachings that are disguised as, you know, liberation and how to find love. But it's like, well, if you, you know, you can't sleep with too many men because, and it really derives it down to like this understanding that our sexuality is still something that we barter for mm-hmm. love um, instead of being something that we can uh, use for our healing. Right. Yes. And I want to read you this quote and get your, uh, so <laughs> get your response to it. So, um, you know, I saw this on this, uh, men's work coach, uh, his profile. And I really, you know, it's like twofold, right? So I'm going to read it. 
young or dumb women, and this is from a man, by the way, I want to speak to a man posted this young or dumb women value themselves based on how much men want to sleep with them, which gives them a false high sense, high self valuation. If they valued themselves based on how much men wanted to marry them, once they got to know them, they'd have a much more accurate estimation of their worth. You are not valuable because men want to sleep with you. Most men don't have high standards and will sleep with the vast majority of women. It is thus not a compliment for a man to want to sleep with you. It's a compliment when a man thinks you're worth committing to. So there's still this pressure that we're getting from men's work leaders, uh, men's coaches, women's coaches, um, even a lot of tantric coaches saying that like you need to barter your sex in exchange for love. Mm -hmm. And instead of, and I think that this is where we're really with worshiper, like we're here to let people explore and understand their sexuality for themselves. Mm -hmm. They need, maybe they just want to be in an environment. They don't want to touch anybody and they just want to witness and explore. Maybe as one, one of our dear friends who's been through worshiper wants to, oh my gosh, explore what pleasure is like because they were in 15 years of a sexless relationship. Like mm -hmm. that was quote unquote, a man who committed to her. She was having no sex. She never even had orgasm. Like, I'm like, oh my God, there is no, there's no rule book and guide. There's no rule book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, the thing that I hear too in this is there, we have a very clear history of women being property. Yeah. Very clear. Right. So, so this idea of commitment, like being a, being in a polyamorous relationship right now, like I'm in a committed relationship and then I have the, you know, the freedom to go and express my sexuality in different ways. And it's really, really, really upsetting to people. <laughs> they, they do not understand how my partner, I, mean, I, I actually recently had an engagement with this guy on one of the dating apps. And he was like, so your husband lets you go out and, and be with other men. And I said, I want to give you, I said, you're cute because I want to give you, I'm going to give you one more chance to revise that question. <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't. He, he was like, what? Do, I don't understand the problem in that question. I'm like, I am not my husband's property. Mm. And so his desire to commit to me, you know, for, for my mm. partner and me, is our desire to commit to one another is a, is a choice. And this is a modern choice that we have that I am, you know, I recognize my ancestresses did not have. They had to barter because they were not able to access financial freedom. And, you know, frankly, having financial freedom and sexual freedom are about the most dangerous things that a woman can have. Mm. Dangerous in a good way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's we're not property anymore. I mean, this is the, the, it's like, so we, we get, I mean, this this men's coach, right? So he's assuming that we also don't want to just sleep with men. He's assuming that our end goal is to be owned. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, and that's where I think also too. I mean, we had to in the past drive our value from being owned because we couldn't do anything without a husband. Right? Yes, we couldn't do. You know, we couldn't vote. We couldn't uh, buy a house. We couldn't provide for ourselves. So of course, we had to determine our value based on a man committing to ourselves, and that's when we used to barter sex in exchange for that commitment. Um, and. You know, it's really interesting, like as we're in this stage of reclamation, right? And that's what I love about worship and what we've created with this. Like it's this container where you really get to 
look at how these stories have dictated your lo- your your life essentially and your values around your body around your sexuality around desire um and perhaps look at maybe rescripting that right? mm-hmm. and that you know your values maybe not based on those values that we used to have to take on but can actually be based on our own fuck yes our own no consent Mm -hmm. uh, desire in the moment you know um one of our past participants like we kind of briefly talked about you know she did that whole route of you know bartering you know the commitment for a relationship and you know she went 10 long years in a in a marriage without Mm -hmm. any sexual connection at all yeah that's heartbreaking (laughs) and now she's on this whole journey after worshiper of like discovering oh my god what is it like to be with a lover who like worships every Mm. inch of my flesh and heart and soul Mm. you know these these liberations of our ourselves and how we approach relating which is actually to me it's closer to that truth that we're trying to get to which is actual real connection and not this bullshit Mm -hmm. bartering that like, well, I've got to wait six dates before I sleep with him so that maybe he'll become my boyfriend and then I can show everyone I have a boyfriend. And, you know, and these codependent behaviors mm-hmm. that we get from our parents. And, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you know, here's the thing is, is you can have a really powerful life-changing experience from a one-night stand. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have a, a, a really, really powerful life-changing experience from a long-term relationship. Mm. It doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, this is why I center my work always around relationship with myself. Yeah. And, and it's, I am the most important relationship. <sighs> and if, if that, if that opens up the possibility for a, you know, a long-term partnership or a casual mm. partnership, as long as I am understanding what I'm how I'm growing as a result of it, it's all okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful, Sonia. Wow. What a great, what a great piece of advice. Just that's so easy and simple. Mm. Focusing on that relationship with self as the first, it's kind of like the, um, you know, you're in an airplane, you know, you Mm -hmm. put the mask on yourself, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Because it nourishes everything. And I think that's what we're also trying to break is, is that, um, you know, those shackles that people willingly put on where they make decisions based on like, oh, well, I, I can't do this because my partner, you know, and, and people create these relationship models that um, I think when they step into worshiper, they get an opportunity to sometimes even revise those. So we have, you know, people that are single, people that are in partnerships, people that are in partnerships that aren't there with their partners. We have a vast variety of people that attend worshiper and you know, you can come as someone who's in a partnership and see maybe a diversity of, of relationship models that you're like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. Like, it's kind of like eating vanilla ice cream for your entire life, not realizing that there's like a thousand different other flavors, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, anyway. One of the, yeah, like one of the favorite things that I remember from that, like, so I had, I had, um, my partner was there and he was helping out. Um, and then my boyfriend was there at the, the November event yeah. and he was helping out. And now this was my boyfriend. It was a newer relationship just since that summer. And it was November. And so there was still like some tension, you know, and like we, you know, we kind of been working through some stuff as a, as a unit. Um, 
And that I got so much feedback from people who were just saying, wow, I can't believe that this can operate, that these two men, like we all three of us shared a bed together. <laughs> you know, it was just like that just, it just worked because that was the space that we had available. Mm-hmm. And, but, but yeah, it's like, it is, it's like you're eating the vanilla ice cream and then all you have to do is just go, wait, I can actually choose a different flavor. Yeah. And it can be, you know, it's kind of like the, the cold stone. I don't know, you know that. Oh yeah, I did. But that model, right? Yeah. So it's like you can actually just design your own flavor of ice cream, mm. and it doesn't have to be like anybody else's. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's like though that you have to give yourself permission, um, and be in an environment where that's really modeled, right? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go through their lives waiting for someone else to give them that permission to you know, I don't know, have a threesome or, you know, maybe talk to their partner about opening things up or, you know, but, uh, you know, or close a poly dynamic into a monogamous one, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the thing I think that we want to get to is being fluid and flexible with like, well, what is alive in the present, you know? Right. Um, right. Can, you, can you share with us a little more around yeah, I want to dig into this understanding of like retelling story and myth that we grow mm-hmm. up with that dictates our existence, right? Because most of Western and North American culture still subconsciously is dictated by, and I call it false, um, false religious programming. And I call it false because it's, uh, I think the stories have been changed personally by, you know, whoever's been in power. They have. I mean, there's historical documentation for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but the the power of, yeah, what that means for, you know, the divine feminine movement, what that means, I think, even like props to your boyfriend and your husband too for just being such incredible men who are willing to explore those depths of intimacy and flexibility and adaptability with like grace mm. and maturity. Oh, yeah. Um, y- you know, in favor of... I don't know, like win-win-win situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, so okay, rewriting stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's what this is about. It's like for them to to be able to share the bed and share that event, and 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 was it was a rewriting of a story that that I belong to somebody that I, I belong to anyone else but myself, right? That that like, or you know, just the idea of <clears throat> the the um, the the rewriting of thinking about, I don't know why Mary Magdalene comes to mind. So there was a point. So we know Mary Magdalene as a whore. Like that's how she's commonly known. And yet there was, I I wish I could jump up on my bookshelf and find this reference to exactly when it was. It's in Mary Magdalene Revealed. It's a fantastic book, but um, Megan Watterson talks about this moment where there was a specific Pope who changed Mary Magdalene's role Mm. From Jesus is basically um, what you might know as a consort. If you if you think about the idea of kind of the the um, you know a, a god and a goddess partnership, yeah. right? Yeah. And so she was his equal yeah. um, in the, some of the lost books that were intentionally <sighs> lost. Yes, yeah. they including the the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. um, but many many things these sources point to, uh, I think one of the best quotes was Jesus loved Mary more than the other disciples. And he often kissed her on the mouth. Yeah. So 
this is the power. And so what happened is that this Pope made her into a prostitute to actually degrade her and make it so that women would never be able to take the papacy. So they would never be able to have a role in the church. Mm. It was important to make her a sex worker. Mm. Now, there's nothing wrong with sex work, right? I just want to say that. But it's it's important to understand that in the culture that we have, there is something wrong with sex work. And so this is what, like, if we were to, we are going to, at some point, I know we're going to tackle the Mary Magdalene story. Maybe mm-hmm. that's worship her next, next round. <laughs> because it's an important one to tell. And so mm-hmm. here's this woman, she is considered an equal to Jesus. She is the one who found Jesus when mm-hmm. he resur- was resurrected. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm actually reading a, a book right now, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It's actually a book about a tomb an ossuary that was found in uh, Jerusalem or Israel. And mm. uh, they found these tombs with the DNA of the royal family, mm. the holy family, and Mary Magdalene was buried in there as well. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't gotten to the end yet, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But um, yeah, it, you know, and it's, it's that, uh, it's like the reclamation of the the role of the feminine. And it's mm. not just the, this, martyr mother archetype it's like we're reclaiming these different archetypes uh, of the feminine for ourselves right Right. it's kind of like we've only been given two colors in the painting palette and now we're starting to find oh there's a red color and a blue color and a purple color because we've been painting in black and black and white and Mm -hmm. you know so our last worshiper we you know touched on the story of persephone and hades and Mm. you know delving into the underworld and the reclamation of her sexual agency and in this one you know what i'm really excited about is yeah working with the story of adam and eve uh the reclamation of the feminine in yeah choosing her sexuality and choosing that agency and the redemption too that happens when we listen to our inner guidance system right mm-hmm. um and and choose what we need and say yes to what we need you know uh, there's this part in the story, I don't want to give too much away that we're working mm-hmm. with, where one of the characters, you know, fucks another god back to life, right? It's just, mm-hmm. you know, a metaphor, but it is. There, there, you know, sex is healing and, it, and it's it's powerful. And, um, you know, as you said before, you know, sometimes a one night stand can fucking change your life. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes a marriage yes. can too. But like, you know, I think it's when we kind of polarize and like, well, you know, even this term casual sex, mm-hmm. right, you know, and, and degrade, you know, sometimes these one-time encounters as like not meaningful, that's where we get into some really shady shit where, again, yes. we're just pushing all that shame and suppression again. And when you do that, it just becomes more of a, a deeper boil, you know, mm-hmm. on the surface, right? And guess what? We're exploding right now. That that boil is exploding. Like, like this is this is the moment in history when we have, for the first time, women have financial freedom that allows us to then have sexual freedom. Mm. And so this oh. is why oh, you're hitting the nail on the head. And this is why, I mean, we we wonder why there's so much anger amongst women. Yeah. Because we've been holding this shit in for yes. centuries because we had no choice. We had to just kind of go, okay, yes, sir, you know, and 
Now we don't have to do that. And so, yeah, there's some anger that's coming up. And there's also some wonderful creative expression. Like, I think worshiper is an example of that. Like, imagine, imagine, I, you know, if our grandmothers were to see us putting on this show, they would just be like grasping their pearls. Like they would just have no idea. <laughs> so actually, I have a secret to tell you. Uh, so I decided to tell my mother, right? Oh, what wow. We're doing and... You know, I mean, she's open-minded, but, you know, telling her that I was going to have some, like, kind of slave men to (laughs) worship on me hand and foot while I, you know, you know, had led one around on a leash around the event, she would, like, her jaw just dropped, and she's like, oh, my gosh, she's like, this is brilliant. I'm like, oh, I know. (laughs) Because I also, I feel like it's, it's not about, at least for me, and I think for you, too, it's, we're not you know, this concept of worshiper was like, I think, reestablishing that connection to our own pleasure and reclaiming our pleasure as important, right? Especially in dominant porn culture, where, you know, the vast majority of porn videos are really about, um, you know, male pleasure, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Bravo for your mom. Yeah. So my mom is like, you're on to something here, babe. I'm like, thanks, mom. Holy fuck. Well, that's, I mean, that's massive. That's massive that your mom can see that. Interestingly, you know, my, uh, this, this probably, I wonder if it happened in the same week. My dad wrote me a letter and it was not a very supportive letter because he saw some of the promotion for worshiper. And I'm, I'm writing an open letter in response to the fathers, because I feel like this is something that needs to be said that, and I recognize what he's doing is he's, he's, you know, cause this is where it comes from. It comes from a place of trying to protect me. Yeah. And and in his worldview, the fact that I would put myself out there in, you know, in what he sees as like us having a big orgy, that's kind of oh, like, yeah. that's his misinterpretation of it. It's absolutely not that. Yeah. It's, it's art. You know, this is what we're doing. And so, you know, it's it's this place of, of us, like your mom could easily see that, right? Your mom could yeah. easily see like, wow, that's powerful. And I really could have used that when I was your age oh. versus my dad, who's like, you will never be marriageable material, even even though I'm already married, right? But <laughs> essentially, you know, it's coming from love. I want to acknowledge that. Like as, as pissed as I was, like I've gone through, my, I'm going through my process with it. I'm going to address it with him directly, but I'm also mm. going to do this open letter to fathers because wow. it's something I see, it's a confusion. It's yeah. a confusion yeah. that yeah. they don't understand it. And they don't understand the world that we have been raised in. Yeah. Like we were raised with Anita Hill. We were raised with Monica Lewinsky. We were raised with all of these women or like Stormy, what Stormy Daniels, right? She's the one who got paid off by Trump, right? Like all these people who, women who have been in the limelight, who have had their sexuality just put out there against their consent. Yes. Yeah. Or and here, Pamela Anderson, local legend. Yes, totally. Soul didn't make a dime. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like her sex tape should have been you know, the pinnacle of her financial freedom. And yet it was not. So, you know, this is us taking that back. And I do believe we're taking it back on behalf of all of those women that I just named on behalf of every woman who's ever been, you know, Mm. called a slut, who's ever been, um, you know, turned away because of her body count. Yeah. You know, this and all of my ancestresses, like this is why I'm doing this. This is this is not light work. Yeah. 
there, there's also this piece too, maybe you can speak to it, you know, some of these deeper intentions that we have been exploring. And these are themes that we talk about very openly in our opening consent circle in, uh, in worshiper that we have with everybody who attends, but you know, there's, there's a few layers there, right? One of them is, is that you get connected to your authentic desire and then how to express that Mm. and ask for what you want, right? Mm. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but just in the asking of it, you're liberating it. And, you know, I think for a lot of women, they haven't been able to ask for what they want, right? Mm -hmm. Because there has been no space, right? There's been no uh, public approval of that, Um, you know? And so being in an environment where you're seeing other women who like I have this fantasy that I'm, I'm I want to get fed by like two men and then have one like kissing my leg up, up and down, <laughs> just like totally devoted on, you know, oh. and because I want it, there's there it doesn't have to be oh these are the men I'm gonna marry for the rest of my life, or you know like maybe one of them will, but you know the the fact is it's just something that I want, right? Exactly. And that is sacred enough, and and that's kind of what we share, but we also share too that. For women who are just like really, God, just opening up or healing that relationship as um, one of the interviewers in our last interview series for Worship where she shared, it is so nice to be in an environment where conversely, I can dance sexually, I can be central mm. on the dance floor, I can be half naked, and I'm not going to feel like I am at risk for having my boundaries violated yes. or being touched without my consent or, you know, just all of the 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 other side of the coin right that I think we experience as women I mean god the amount of dick pics I've gotten in the last year unsolicited (laughs) make anyone's skin crawl right just because I talk about these things does not mean I want those pictures sent to me from random people but this is the experience that we do create for worshipers that like Mm -hmm. sense of there's liberation and safety you know danger and safety I don't can you describe that yeah, I think danger, like like the right kind of danger, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like because it's it's when we do get in touch with our desires. Um, I do a lot of work with most most of my my women clients. They really struggle to identify what they want. Yeah, they really. I mean, I've seen people just go completely blank, yeah, and just you know freeze, go into a total state of nervous system freeze where they're like, I don't know how to even touch that place. Uh. Yeah. And it's it's very, 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 very important to ask yourself on the daily, what do I want? And I keep a desire journal that I actually write out my desires and, you know, kind of keep it as a like an ongoing practice just mm-hmm. so that I when someone asks me the question, do I want this or that? I will at least know where to go mm-hmm. in my body to be able to come up with an answer, which might mean I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. but. You know, that that's not something that I, I mean, I've had to learn that as as in my studies as a somatic sex educator, I have had to learn that. And it was hard. <laughs> it's still hard. I can go and get body work from, you know, a, another person who does somatic sex education and they'll ask me, like, what kind of touch I want. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's but it's mm-hmm. beautiful work to be able to direct someone that clearly. And so I think this is the place. I, I loved that quote. Hearing hearing her say that was so gratifying because yeah. that's exactly what we both wanted to create was a space where women can be free, and we do have a lot of um, you know within the consent 
training that we offer in the beginning of Worshipper. It does offer that insight for, for all genders to really understand the dynamics that are at play yeah. with most women right now, where if you show a little bit of skin, if you show a little bit of, of interest in sexuality, yeah, my, I mean, my DMs are filled with them too, right? Like I get dick pics all the time. And it's, there's also a way that we can learn to deal with it Yeah, that doesn't lead to victimization. Yeah. Okay. This is really touching on maybe the the, also the healing I think that happens for men. And again, we're just talking in polarity opposites for a moment, but you know, het, het men where they can be in an environment of liberation and also witnessing, I think seeing mm. women um, who they know to be amazing women or sweet or, you know, but then also they have these sides to them that are like, holy <laughs> fuck, what is that sex demon S doing? <laughs> and I think it, it there's a healing, um, a split, a fracture that happened with religion, which is this, this, um, this whore. And then the martyr, the virgin, mm -hmm. the, the virgin and whore. And it's kind of created this, well, you have to choose this or this. Mm -hmm. And actually it lives inside each woman. Right. Yes. And it's it's this full spectrum. Right. We're not just one or the other. But I think what's happened is it's created this fracture in the collective psyche. And we're here to help heal that. And that's where we're doing some serious magic here. Mm -hmm. Healing. We're actually it's ritual. Right. And that's mm -hmm. why it is so healing, because you get to be in a space where you reconcile. You know, I went on this date, Sonia, with a guy oh, two months ago. I suffered through it horribly. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, it was two hours of him talking. He didn't ask a single question about me. And uh, I think I went on a date with him. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> same, same guy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So he, he, he's looking for a based wife. And I, you know, I was like, oh, whatever. And uh, he's like, yeah, the, the more, um, what did he say? He said, the more men that a woman sleeps with, the harder it is for her to love Um there, there's this other theory going around that if you, you know, sleep with too many men, you break the, the oxytocin, you know, like you're chemically bonding with people and you can't fall in love. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so basically he was just saying that, you know, he, and then he went on for another hour about how um, feminists have uh, actually fucked themselves with the illusion of sexual liberation. And... <laughs> And, you know, I was really so excited when that bill came. I was like, thank <laughs> you, God. I, I should have actually just left, you know, realizing looking back. But I was also intrigued. I was like, wow. You know, just like, wow. And, um, you know, so that's where I think that this kind of work is, is either shocking and really triggering for some men, mm -hmm. you know, who are used to being in control, so to speak, of a woman's sexuality. And so when they see women that they can't control through, you know, these cultural dictates or these uh, cultural beliefs, it freaks them the fuck out. Because mm -hmm. now they don't, they're like, oh, I actually got to listen to a woman and I got to like, and don't get me wrong. I fucking love men, by the way. I love men. <laughs> so it, it's, it's more just this stereotypical, stereotypical man right now that it's like a, it's a trope, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of the the woke, um, I don't know, what you call them, Andrew Tate kind of follower dudes, right? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of men struggle right now with understanding their value. Mm. 
because before it was very easy, right? Like, so in our, in our dad's generation or even our grandparents, probably a better way to think, think about it. And our, our grandfather's generation, mm-hmm. you got money for the household. Yeah. You weren't expected to do emotional labor. You weren't expected. I mean, you know, I, I, I'd be shocked if my grandfather ever changed a diaper. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked knowing him. <laughs> and he was, I loved him, you know, like a wonderful man, but still like probably never changed a diaper in his life. Yeah. Never cooked until my grandma died. I know that for sure. Yeah. And so it was simple. And I think that when also they, um, they had power in that simplicity because they had freedom to do what they wanted to do. And the women were, were at home, they were raising the children, and we were isolated from each other, from other women. So we didn't We were have basically that. sex slaves, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so then, yeah, it is, it is really, really frightening right now for a lot of men. They don't yeah. know where their power lies. Yeah. And what I would, I, I love, I love working with men. I love working with men. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love men (laughs) working with men and like yeah being with men and I love walking out of dates and being like never gonna be with you because I don't have to um but anyway um it's it's having them understand that their worth is not about bringing home a paycheck their worth is about it like just like our worth is inherent within us and we have to do yes thank you and, and but this is what men want too is they want this deeper understanding um chris rock i think did this amazing stand-up comedy piece and he's like god like men just get the shit end of the stick a lot right like mm. you know we're not loved unless we're making six figures or this or that and yeah i think men want to come to a deeper appreciation of who they are and their hearts and oh they so do you know, and, and that's where, again, I think, yeah, we're in this place of rewriting these cultural narratives, which it's going to take courage and compassion on both sides. You know? Absolutely. Um, we have to be willing to listen to each other. I think that's what it yeah. comes down to. And and that's what, like, I can go, like, if <laughs> I can go, depending on, on, you know, where my dating life is at, like, my TikTok feed is always telling me <laughs> where my dating life is. And the algorithm is oddly brilliant. Um but you know, there's a lot of kind of fighting back and forth between yeah. men and women about dating right now. Yes. And I think what I hear from both sides is that nobody really understands how to be intimate with one another mm. because we frankly never had any good models. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, like this guy, the, the, the guy that I was, I was joking with you, I went on a date with him. He, he, this, it wasn't him, but it was a different guy who spoke about himself the entire time and never asked me a question, never gave me a compliment. And, you know, he told me um, that he really, really needs a woman's touch. Mm. But that's very, very important to him. But he doesn't want a relationship. Oh. And, yeah, so I'm in the position where I, I don't really need a person who needs a relationship. So I'm a bit of a different scenario than other people who are not partnered and are seeking partnership. So, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, so you're really, really, really de- expressing this desire to have a woman touch you to like just, and he didn't necessarily mean sexually, but it was just like, you know, to be in a woman's presence. And and I'm like, yet you didn't ever once look at the woman who's across the table from you and try to engage, Mm -hmm. try to just say like, wow, I love, you know, the way that the light's hitting your face or, you know, those, those like simple, like really well-placed compliments that show that their eyes are on you. 
And that, like that intimacy that we're all craving is really, I mean, we have to practice that. And that's why I think this container of worshiper yeah. does that work because it provides this, this, you know, creative artistic expression yes. where people can dress up and, and, you know, be their, their archetypical self for that evening yeah. and practice, like whether they're just practicing going into the massage space and practicing just receiving or giving touch, mm -hmm. um, you know, or just yeah. Yeah. playing with, with how these myths might have influenced them. Yeah. All of it is going to build intimacy with themselves first. Mm -hmm. And then with the, when we have intimacy with ourselves, we can then offer it to another. Yeah. I lastly want to just like drop in how, much fun we have creating it, which I think is, yes. is probably why the foundation for me feels so strong in this collaboration is it just, it feels exciting and fun. Like, yes. like <laughs> you know, every time I work on this, either with you or independently, I'm just like, oh my, I get so much out of it because it is, it's yeah. like this container where we get to express and dance and share. And like, you know, even if you just ask someone for a cuddle, you know, mm. and that's like the breakthrough where you get to be held by somebody in a non-sexual way that can be equally as healing as anything else, yes. you know, or, or witnessing somebody dancing on the dance floor, half naked and just in their, in their element. Like these, these things that people come out of it with is it's, we're each giving each other permission by listening to what we need, honoring our bodies and our consent and having a lot of fun playing right mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. play and curiosity it's like they're inter intertwined yeah and you know the thing is is that we've been trying to like like the talk therapy route oh. is like the most brutal I was in I was in talk therapy for about three years and it's brutal it's important for some aspects yeah. of of healing but it is fucking brutal mm -hmm. and it's not fun it's not <laughs> fun no. and when we are in fun when we're in a playful state here's a really great fact um, let me see if I can pull it together. Okay. So in order to change a pattern, like in order to change the neurological pathways that lead us to change a pattern in our lives, it takes between 200 to 400 repetitions. So in other words, about a year of if you're doing something daily, right? So, but if you are in a state of play, we're talking 10 to 20 repetitions to change that <gasps> neural pathway. Wow. Oh, that is brilliant. Oh, yeah, that is brilliant. Wow. Okay. Because, you know, healing can be fun. And I think that there's this uh, misunderstanding in, you know, especially personal growth industry in general, that healing has to be this arduous, like, you know, work that you do on the other side of your work. And mm. I think too, because, you know, we come from the industrial uh, revolution age where, yeah, people were working in factories and doing mind numbing work and even our whole concept of work is really screwed up. Right. And I love yeah. this idea that we're, we're creating that, you know, healing can be fun. It is fun. It and is that's fun. why I adore the erotic yeah. as a tool for healing. Yeah. Because it makes it fun. Like, like we as adults don't play. Yeah. And the only way that we do play is through sex. Yeah. And so if we dress up, then that becomes like, why do we dress up? Why are we drawn to a specific type of dress up? more than another there's a reason for that it's yeah. because that's the aspect of us that wants to get out and play yeah oh this has been so brilliant i i feel like we'll have to do a part two at some point maybe post worshiper 
Mm, to, to recap and share all the stuff that, you know, we're not allowed to share very much of it, but <laughs> <laughs> can you maybe just give us like the quick and dirty on the details for worshiper? And then we're going to yeah. talk about how you can win yourself a free ticket. Yeah. So worshiper is going to be in North Vancouver, um, May 20th, it's Saturday, and it's a 24 hour immersive event, which means that you'll show up in the afternoon, we go through a consent circle, and then we drop into the performance, and then there's the after party, and we have a sleepover style, slumber party style experience. So people will share the mansion that we have um, rented as our venue, and wake up, have breakfast, and go out and integrate it into your life. Mm, beautiful. Thanks, Sonia, for sharing that. And we have decided to give away one ticket to worship her this next one on May 20th. Doesn't matter gender, orientation, relationship model, whatever. It's to one human. And so in order to get entered into the draw before worshiper, you need to share this podcast interview with your community and tag myself and body storyteller. We'll put the the tags in the bottom of the show notes and we'll be drawing a name very soon for that ticket. So share this beautiful, you know, conversation that you've heard today, maybe share some of the, the insights that you've had. I feel like it's been very, very powerful mm. for me just to integrate these deeper, these deeper threads around myth and sexual liberation, just the, the, the major change that we've undergone right? Mm-hmm. Humanity. Um, so I have very much appreciated this combo with you. Yeah, same. Yeah, thank you so much. And so before we depart um, and you share a little bit more about where people can find you, can you reveal either a secret or answer the question, if you were to really know me, you'd know that? <laughs> Whichever one Woo! is easier. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Gosh. That's a good one. If you were to really know me, if, okay, so I'll, I'll do this one. Let me, let me just pause and, um, excuse me, you might have to edit this part out. <clears throat> <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> if you really knew me, and I actually, this, I, I did do a reel on this one recently. So if you really knew me, you would know that I self-pleasured in a room of 900 women and we all did work with bringing our orgasm alive in this is in the middle of New York City um and it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had and we all orgasmed or reached a, a climax at the same moment and I realized at that point that it was okay to be great that was what that came out of that orgasm for me, that it was okay to be great. And I didn't have to be small anymore. Oh. Okay. That is quite, wow. Um, I'm just digesting that. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like two in one. That feels like a secret end. If, wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Mama Jeanish. I mean, she's the, the OG. You know? She's the OG. She's a wild woman. I mean, this is also like check out her work for anyone of your listeners. She is, oh, yeah. you know, in her 60s at this point and has yeah. been doing this work for a long time. Yeah, so. she wrote the book Pussy, a reclamation. Yeah, um, fantastic book. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Sonia. Where can people find out, you know, more about your work, your upcoming trainings, workshops? Yeah. Um, uh, you can go to your body stellar, excuse me, yourbodystory.com. Got my Instagram handle mixed up in there. Um, I am on Instagram and TikTok at your uh, at body storyteller. And I have some really fun workshops. I have a course called Body Story Mother that is a pre-recorded course. And it's all about reclaiming your relationship with your mother and rewriting the story of your sexual awakening. Mm. So among other offerings on my website, and I encourage you to go check them out. Amazing. Thank you again, Sonia, for being on the Holy Arrows podcast. Until next time, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, if you got something out of it, if what was shared really touched you, impacted you, transformed you, or shocked you, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to share this episode with your friends and community. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify and let us know what are your thoughts on what we discussed today. Do you have questions that you'd love to submit to the show? You can find more details on that and more at phoenixamara.com podcast. And you can submit your own questions to the podcast where I will take these and answer them on air.